Lord, we've heard the words sung beautifully for us this morning, but we now, um, if we haven't already done so, we sing those words from the bottom of our souls to you as a prayer. Hungry, we come to you. We know that you satisfy, so we wait for you. Lord, I pray this morning that during this uh, time of my message, that there would be somehow a way in which this isn't my conversation with the covenant family, but it becomes your conversation with us. Help us to hear your voice and, and your challenge and your invitation, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Well, good morning, beloved Covenant family. Hey, I just want to thank you all for being with us this morning. At about this point in this whole COVID season, it would be so easy to just kind of opt out of worship and to choose to, to sleep in or do other things with your Sunday morning. Thank you so much for your investment at this time and, and the sacrifice that that represents. Hello to all of our online guests. We're so glad to have you with us, whether you are uh, right next door to us here in the community or in England or Uganda or Romania or Australia. It's so uh, good to have you with us. Students, I've continued to be praying for you as you are going through the really awkward, lurchy transition back into school, whether maybe now you're doing homeschool or online school or, or heading into the school building and all of that being kind of new and weird during this time, I just encourage you to keep clinging to the Lord in the middle of all that. And, of course, kiddos, good morning. I love you and I miss you. Well, on the table this morning, I have a, a place setting, and uh, it includes an empty plate. So a question that I want to start off with this morning for you is if you could put anything on a plate in front of you right now, what would be the most satisfying, delicious, gratifying thing that you could think to put on this empty plate? Kiddos, uh, Miss Renee made available online a drawing of a empty plate. So this morning while I'm speaking, if you want to draw a picture of an empty plate and then fill it with what you would love to be able to feast on, feel the freedom to do that. So we're focusing this morning on Psalm 63, and I'm going to throw a curve to our tech team. I'm just going to skip past the reading of the whole psalm since we already had a chance to hear it earlier in the service, and I want to be able to try to keep us on our time this morning. So we're going to zero in this morning just on verse 5. So let me just read that for you. It says, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. The word satisfy in this verse means not just the experience of being full, but the feeling of contentment, of deep satisfaction that comes from having just finished the perfect meal. I will be fully satisfied is what it's capturing. Whoops. And the words that describe this meal mean not only the very best of foods, the choicest, the finest portions, 
but also food in abundance, a, a luxury of things that you can choose from and enjoy. So this verse is saying, my soul will be satisfied with God in the way that my body would be satisfied with a feast that is made up of an abundance of the choicest and finest foods. The New Living Translation captures this perfectly. It says, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. So in other words, according to this psalm, God turns out to be the perfect match for our deepest hunger as human beings. When you think about that, there are three basic spiritual truths that lie beneath this verse that I just want to be able to spend some time thinking with you about this morning. And I'm going to move this plate so I don't knock it off the table this morning. So here's the first truth that lies beneath this verse. We were made, you and I, every one of us, we were made for God. It doesn't matter if we see it or we believe it or we live according to it. We exist because God chose to bring us into existence. He created us for himself. And that doesn't just mean that we exist by God's decision or even for his sake, both of which things are true. But it means that God intends that we would find our life in him. That we would discover in him all that pleases us most. So whether or not we recognize it or acknowledge it, we were made for God. That's the starting point. That's the starting truth that lies behind this passage. Well, if that's true, if we were made for God, then that means that two other really important things are true as well. We all have a spiritual hunger, and that hunger can only be satisfied by God. As Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Or to say it another way, you've made us to hunger for you, God, and our hearts will remain hungry until you satisfy us. So let's just unfold these last two ideas a bit. The first one of those you may remember was we all have a spiritual hunger. So if God made us for himself, we can expect to find within us, whether or not we are looking for it, a hunger for God, a God-given desire for him, a longing for him that he placed inside of each one of us and that nothing else can fill. But that's not always our experience, is it? I mean, if God placed that kind of spiritual hunger in us, why don't we feel it all the time? Well, one reason is that we don't recognize our spiritual hunger for what it is. This is really interesting. Listen to this online, or this definition of hunger from the Oxford Languages Online Dictionary. Hunger, a feeling of discomfort or weakness caused by lack of food coupled with the desire to eat. We tend to think of hunger just as straightforward desire. But it often shows up in really different forms as the Snickers you aren't yourself when you're hungry commercials remind us that we can get hangry when we're hungry. As I was working on this part of this message, I was, um, it was about the middle of the day and I hadn't had breakfast or lunch yet and I found myself starting to feel 
distracted and, and fidgety, and I was losing focus, and I was losing steam. And it took me a while to figure out I was actually just hungry, and it was time to stop and eat something. That same confusion can happen with our spiritual hunger, I think. Which may also show up more as discomfort or weakness than as just a clear desire for God. This is really interesting. I think you'll, you'll, um, you'll find this fascinating. I asked our elders about a time in their life when they experienced uh, a unique kind of spiritual hunger. And, and their answers were fascinating. Listen to what came through. When one elder used the words uncomfortable and tumultuous to describe what spiritual hunger felt like, a number of the other elders were nodding their heads. One described a frustrating relationship that surfaced all kinds of inner annoyance and impatience. Another described a season of deep grief and loss. Someone else described a profound awareness of dependency and and poverty in times of serving God. Yet another one described a season of sustained spiritual dryness. Another described a time of sort of self-made frustration and coming to the, the end of oneself. And another one described everything that got surfaced just by welcoming a guest into their home. In every case, they eventually came to see what was behind this for what it was, a hunger for God. So I wonder if there are ways, especially during this COVID season, I wonder if there are ways that your spiritual hunger, your hunger for God is surfacing, but you aren't recognizing it for what it is because it's showing up as something different than what you expect in the form of impatience or boredom, restlessness, melancholy, frustration, dryness, even anger. What do you think? Do you feel any of those things going on on the inside of you? So sometimes we feel spiritually hungry but we don't recognize our hunger for what it is. But at other times, our hunger gets masked completely. I'm sure that you've noticed that there are times when your physical hunger just disappears. Our hunger gets masked, if you think about this, when you get busy or distracted and you don't notice your hunger. Think about the interesting expression, my plate is full. I think that's intriguing. Or we don't notice our hunger at all when we get sick and then our, our, we experience a complete loss of appetite. Or we might uh, mask our spiritual hunger when we stuff ourselves with snack food or junk food instead of a healthy meal. And we temporarily quiet our hunger, but we don't really satisfy it. So all those same things can happen to us spiritually. I was thinking about some of the ways that this can happen to me. I can get so busy doing things for God as kind of a professional Christian, as a pastor, that I don't stop to notice my hunger for God himself. And this is actually a temptation for anybody who's been a follower of Christ for a number of years, not just pastors. Or I can become spiritually unhealthy. I can start slipping backwards, pushing God back out of the center and letting my life be more and more about me again, like it was before I became a follower of Christ. 
and about what I want and how I want things to go. And when that happens, I can lose my spiritual appetite completely. And in a strange opposite of that, sometimes I can be so encouraged about where I am spiritually that I become sort of confident and complacent. And I can start eating devotional junk food, just throwing up a a one-sentence prayer at the start of the day or reading one passage, one verse of a Bible as I dash off into other things or skipping meals altogether, thinking I don't really need them because I'm doing so well, rather than really listening for my deeper hunger and making sure that I spend time every day just enjoying God's presence. Some can engage in really destructive things in an effort to quiet their God-given hunger. Alcohol or drugs, pornography or an affair. It's said that G.K. Chesterton said, the young man who rings the bell at the brothel door is unconsciously looking for God. So what are the ways your lack of hunger might be because you're too busy or too unhealthy to feel your hunger, or you are stuffing yourself with the wrong things or trying to satisfy that hunger. Here is comedian Brian Regan on some of the ways that we can respond in slightly less than helpful ways to our hunger. My doctor also told me to, uh, you know, eat more fruit. So I, was, I had some Pop-Tarts this morning. <laughs> nice thin layer in there. You ever look at a Pop-Tarts box? They have directions on there. Can, can there be a simpler food item than Pop-Tarts? Like if the directions weren't on there, would somebody, what the? How do I get that goodness in me? What do you do? How do you get it done? You read, man. That's what you do. They have two sets of directions. In case you don't understand one set, you abandon that whole track and get on something a little easier for yourself. They have a set of toaster directions, which, believe it or not, is more than one step. (laughs) How could there possibly be more than one step? I can only think of one. Step one, toast the (laughs) Pop-Tarts. Go ahead, toast them. (laughs) Hey, are you still reading this? but they've managed to break them into smaller increments. These are some of the actual steps. I would love to be in the room watching somebody who has to consult these toaster steps. Okay, number one, remove pastry from pouch. I see where they're going with this. We're banging on all cylinders now. (laughs) Number two, insert pastry. (laughs) Vertically. (laughs) They're reading toaster direction. You're going to throw the vertical concept at them? Then they have a whole set of microwave directions. 
That just blew me away that you could actually microwave a Pop-Tart. I mean, how long does it take to toast a Pop-Tart? A minute, if you want them dark? People don't have that kind of time? Listen, if you need to zap fry your Pop-Tarts before you head out the door, you might want to loosen up your schedule. And I swear it says microwave on high for three seconds. I don't think I want to wake up and be eaten in three seconds. The alarm goes off, and put them in ding, I'm trying to get out of here. If you're waking, eating, and hauling in three seconds, you're booking yourself too tight. <laughs> I love that. So what about you? You recognize yourself there at all? Are there ways that you might be masking your hunger for God by keeping endlessly busy? Or by not eating in a spiritually healthy way, stuffing yourself with the wrong kind of food? Okay, so God made us for himself. We all have spiritual hunger, though we can fail to recognize it or respond to it. And here's the third important truth that's behind this. Our deepest hunger can only be satisfied by God. I love this passage from Isaiah 55 that we sang earlier. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what doesn't satisfy? Listen, listen to me. And eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Everything that surrounds us in our daily life reinforces the idea that our deepest hungers can be met by something somewhere in this earthly realm. But everything in our experience in life here on earth reminds us that there is nothing here on earth that is capable of touching the deepest of our hungers. Over the past eight months, I've been diving into some of the great spiritual classics that have most shaped the soul of the church over the last 2,000 years. Here's a passage from one of them, written by Bernard of Clairvaux his, uh, in his little book on loving God, written around 1100, incredibly relevant today. A man who has a beautiful wife looks at a lovelier woman with a discontented eye. He who is dressed in fine clothes wants better Men who already have great wealth and possessions and who have houses worthy of a king nevertheless add house to house, building with a restless love of novelty. And what of men in high positions? Do we not see them striving with all of their might to reach still higher positions? Their ambition is never satisfied. There is no end to it all because the highest and the best is not to be found in any of these things. It is folly and extreme madness always to be longing for things that not only can never satisfy, but cannot even blunt the appetite. God himself creates the longing. He himself fulfills the desire. There is nothing better than himself. He gives himself as food for holy souls. Our deepest hunger can only be satisfied by God. I love the line in Psalm 17 that says, I will see you face to face and be satisfied. Earlier this year, I wrote a poem that, that tries to capture this idea. Here's how it goes. 
that. That's the thing I, oh, no, no, wait, this is it. No, hang on, here it is. Oh, oh, I've always wanted one of these. No, no, this is it. Yep, this, said the boy in the toy store. And as they turned to go, the rush and excitement of the new toy, already beginning its inevitable fade, he reached out his hand and took hold of the hand of his father, reaching out to him. When you think about your own hungers, what are some of the things that you are most prone to look to and to grab onto as if they had the power to satisfy you? What are you most likely to want to put on this empty plate in front of you when you feel spiritually hungry? What might God want to serve to you instead? I love this passage from Ronald Rollheiser's book, The Holy Longing, which I've shared with you before. There is within us a fundamental dis-ease, an unquenchable fire that renders us incapable in this life of ever coming to full peace. This desire lies at the center of our lives. We are not easeful human beings who occasionally get restless. The reverse is true. We are congenitally diseased, only occasionally experiencing peace. Whatever the expression, everyone is ultimately talking about the same thing. An unquenchable fire, a restlessness, a longing, a disquiet, a hunger, a loneliness, a gnawing, an ache that lies at the center of human experience and is the ultimate force that drives everything. That dis-ease is universal. And spirituality is ultimately what we do with that desire. So that leads to three things that we are inviting you into over the next several weeks that Rob mentioned earlier in the service. First, a fast. We invite you to use this next week to grow in attentiveness to your spiritual hunger and how God wants to satisfy that. We have set aside this coming Thursday, September 10th, as a day of fasting for the whole church. Our Amplify Guide will lead you in a series of daily reflections that lead up to and that, that come out of that day. And the goal of our fast will be to ask God to help us become more aware of our spiritual hunger. If you've never fasted before, it isn't complicated at all. It's just allowing yourself to experience physical hunger as a way of becoming attentive to your spiritual hunger. So here's how it goes. My stomach is growling. Why? I'm hungry. Why am I hungry? I'm not eating. Why am, not, am I not eating? Oh, that's right. It's to focus my, on my hunger for God. God, make me aware of my hunger for you. 15 minutes later, my stomach's growling again. And so goes the conversation again, continuing to bring us into the presence of God. So fasting is a way of reminding ourselves of what both the Old and the New Testaments say, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, we're not just physical beings living in a material world. We are spiritual beings. We are souls with bodies. And responding to our spiritual hunger is even more important in the long run than responding to our physical hunger. So we invite you to fast from whatever is most distracting you from your spiritual hunger. You could skip a meal or two or three on Thursday, or you could fast from a distraction that masks your spiritual hunger. Turn off your phone for the entire day. Eliminate all social media interaction. Or fast from binge-watching Netflix or other entertainment. Fast from 
TV, from the news, from video games, from, from shopping, from exercise, whatever it is, first, a fast. Second, a feast. Okay, well, it's actually going to be a small loaf of bread. But still, this week and next week, elders and staff members will be delivering fresh bread to every person in the area who is part of the church. And that visit is to remind you that God sees you and loves you and we have not forgotten you. But also, that bread is to remind you that God desires to satisfy your hunger as with the richest feast. And then third, a conversation we'd like you to join and an invitation we'd like you to consider. Over the next three Sundays, during our fall focus, we will be focusing in on how, in practical ways, God intends to satisfy our hunger by turning us up towards him, staying anchored to God, by turning us in towards one another, staying connected to God's people, and turning us out towards the people that God places around us, staying faithful to God's call to live a life of love. So as part of all that, we're going to have, as Rob said, a whole church worship and fellowship gathering on Sunday evening, September 20th. And then we're also going to have a Love Your Neighbor Day on Saturday, October the 3rd. But this isn't about programs and spiritual busyness. Just putting a check box or check mark in a box is not going to ultimately make any sort of difference in your life. That's why at the beginning of this sermon, I prayed that this would be God's conversation with you. This is about what God is doing in your life. That's why we are starting with our hunger for him and his pursuit of us and how he is inviting us to respond to him and how we can offer some help in that. Every day, aware of it or not, you wake up with spiritual hunger. And every day, an empty plate is in front of every one of us. So the question is, what are we going to fill this plate with? So what is God saying to you? Would you pray with me? So Lord, use this conversation that we've begun this morning, use this conversation through this week to make us aware of our hunger for you. Help us to see what the things are that are standing in the way of our being more aware of our hunger for you, God. Make us more aware of our God-given hunger for you. And make us open to how you may want to nudge us to shift some things around in our life in order to center our lives more on you and to look to you more to be the one who satisfies us. Hungry, we come to you. We know you satisfy so we wait for you.